Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly, but right now, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments about your landscape or houseplants or whatever, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. James will be answering the phone, and he just needs your first name. He doesn't need to know what you're going to be asking me later on. And, Brian, what's going on around your place? Well, uh, I think we got a little pink. Is that Would that be a crocus coming up in one of our gardens? Crocus, they're using I should have shown you a picture beforehand. Yeah. But anyway. not pink, but they can be. Well, there's a nice little pink flower growing. Uh, here, see it over there? Kind of looks like a daffodil, but it's pink. I think those are weeds. That's not a weed. If it is, it's pretty. And I'm not going to call it a weed just because it looks nice. Uh, and I think so, it's hen bit. No, it's I, what? Hen bit. Hen bit? What's that? Weed. No, it's not a weed. It's, <laughs> it's, it's supposed to be there. And, oh. the, and the daffodils are still strong. We've still got some beautiful yellow daffodils. This has been perfect weather to really extend their bloom. Yeah, it's really nice. Great. Uh, that, that's about it so far, waiting for the hummingbirds to arrive in another... Uh, usually they get here April 15th, the first really? one. That early? They don't really... We don't see a lot of them until June. Right. But we'll start seeing a few come through in, in a wow. couple of weeks, hopefully. I'll have to keep my eyes open. So, yeah. So what should we be doing right now? Enjoying the outdoors. Okay, that's what we'll do. I mean, seriously. There's, I mean, it's really, spring is exploding mm-hmm. tree-wise and you know, right. bulb-wise and everything else. It's just like almost breathtaking. Yeah. Yeah, the first uh, along the road, Bluff Road, that we drive to get home, the brush started turning green now. And that's like the first sign of the real green. And heck, what, within a week or two, everything will be green. Right, so exactly. it's a great time of year. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Thanks a lot. You bet. It is Saturday morning, and we get together, and we'll have a discussion about what's going on in your yard. Whatever it happens to be, wherever it happens to be, uh, maybe where that downspout is shooting water, all this rain we've been having. Ooh, it's really kind of swampy. We're having a really hard time trying to grow anything in that really wet soil. So if those are the kind of questions you have, or maybe you just want to call and say, you know, I've got some great daffodils. I've got some great hyacinths. I've got my crocus. The crocus are just about finished, but that's okay. Or how about the grape hyacinths or the regular hyacinths? Or what's the difference? What is all that stuff? Anyway, let my I'll share my thoughts with you, and hopefully it will help solidify your options because there are plenty of directions you can go. 
And the final judgment is going to be on your shoulders. This is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me to your home car, wherever you happen to be listening. Another very important player, as I said before, is James. He produces. That means he's pushing all the buttons. He's answering the phone. He's got a lot of stuff to do. Wow. And I certainly appreciate his work. And I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. I can come to your home and do landscape consultations. If you'd like for me to come and do a walk and talk, you can go to my website. Don't pay any attention to my website as far as information-wise and anything else except for my email address and phone number because I've really kind of got real lazy when it came to websites. But anyway, that's where I can be reached. And today I'm headed to Crestwood after the show. So kind of fun to go there. And, uh, well, let's get moving. The Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting. 636-861-3344. I was heading down Kings Highway. I was going to, couldn't figure out exactly where I wanted to go. And all of a sudden, ding, 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 my brain started ringing. And Tower Grove Park. Yes, the return of the farmer's market. The vendors were there. It was probably around between 630 and 7. They were already there starting to set up stuff. But I don't think the farmer's market, I'm not sure if it's been, I don't know if it was there last year or not. But anyway, this is the first weekend of it, and it was, whoa. And Tower Grove Park is just absolutely, this historic park, man, oh, man, it is just unbelievably beautiful. The, I don't know how many forsythia shrubs they have in that park, but it is striking some of the areas, looking across and seeing that yellow and uh, I've parked near a pagoda, and a pagoda is semi-surrounded by benches, and then there's on top of these pillars, busts of like Wagner, Beethoven, and other, you know, concert masters. And they have a view of all the conifers and deciduous trees, evergreen magnolias, and nearby they get to hear the music of the Grand Basin Fountain. There's redbud trees blooming, star and saucer magnolias showing their best. Daffodils, different kinds of colors and everything else. So many different places dotted around. And while the tulips mainly are just starting to show a hint of pinks and the hyacinths, regular hyacinths, not the grape hyacinths, regular hyacinths, uh, I was there and I thought, hmm, nice fragrance. There you are, just absolutely fantastic. Birds were all over the place welcoming the sunrise. The lily ponds and pools we're reflecting the bright day that was just opening up in front of the Palm House, accentuated with boxwood and arborvitae, and they had some purple hyacinths in front of the Palm House as well. Ginkgo trees were pushing open the leaf buds, and workers were buzzing around, checking here and there for the trash cans and all that other stuff, and it's great to see how clean and neat that park is kept. And... Um, <laughs> I was heading back towards my car, and there a robin sat on one of those scooters that you can rent, and it was on this, like, handlebars. I thought, the robin's probably trying to figure out, how do I run this thing? Maybe it wasn't really thinking that. But anyway, and uh, oh, it was just nice morning, perfect morning. A little cool, but that's the way it goes. So it was time to head out, and that's what I did. So if you do have any questions or concerns or comments, 314 Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Back after these messages. 
Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker of yours. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and the restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Serving St. Louis for over 96 years. KMOX. Wow, KMOX has been around for 96 years. Sheesh. Let's head over to John Yard now, though. Hi, John. Yes, hello. Uh, good morning, Mike. My, uh, the question I have is, I, I planted a bunch of junk wools uh, last year. And uh, I only got like maybe two or three of them that are blooming. It's, do they take like a year in the ground before they actually start blooming, or am I just uh, too excited about trying to get them to grow? Well, it may be exposure, but uh, some of the daffodils are blooming, to, you know, in different locations. But uh, maybe yours were just not really good bulbs, or maybe it's just a matter of they're pushing up foliage, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're about a foot tall. Yeah, so I would say just be patient and... While the foliage is up, go ahead and fertilize them and see if you can build them up, you know, for the future. Because if they if they don't bloom this year, that's not a good sign. After the first year, they should, you know, they should bloom for several years, probably five or six at the minimum. And uh, if they're not getting any kind of flowers, depth wise, there's got to be something that was, you know, sort of dysfunctional. But if they're pushing up the foliage, it says they're somewhat healthy, or else they wouldn't be able to push up the foliage. Okay. All right. And the, my next question is: I'm I'm holding back on planting my marigolds, my zinnias, and my sunflowers. Should I wait any longer, or should you know? Is it okay to go ahead and plant them? Well, you can plant them. You know, you can plant this early, but uh, the ground is still really cold. They're not going to really do too much. So, if you want to get them in the ground, go ahead, or you can just wait for another couple of weeks when the ground starts warming up, and then you can start to see a little bit more activity as far as growth-wise and everything else. Will they grow any faster if we play them now? No. Uh, no. Okay. okay. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, it does. planting early doesn't mean anything because, I mean, those are the type of plants that are triggered. The You know, the growth is triggered by warm soil temperatures, and the soil is still really, really cold. And so okay. they're just going to kind of sit there and go burr and not no, do anything for another couple of weeks. 
All righty. Well, thank you very much for you and your show and, and all your information. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me on your show. It's not my show, but thank you very much. And now let's head over to David Yard. Hi, David. Hi, Mike. Hey, thanks for uh, being there consistently and uh, for us to listen and learn. Uh, my question is, uh, when's a good time uh, to plant my cannas and elephant ears and banana trees? Okay. Basically, that's a, you know kind of goes with what I was t- talking about with the gentleman with the, his marigolds and daffodils and things like that. You can put them in the ground now, but it's really the ground is cold. All they're going to do is sit there and go, why did you put me in this cold ground? Or you can <laughs> okay. wait for you know a couple more weeks towards maybe the 1st of May, put them in the ground at that time, and then they'll start you know producing some foliage pretty quickly after that. Or what you can do now is, I don't know if you plant them in the ground or if you plant them in pots or whatever, you can start some in pots so you can, you know, and the pots are going to be a little bit warmer if you put them on like concrete and things like that, you know, sidewalks or front porches, you know, that's in the sun. And then you start to see some of that growth because of the, the pavement that they're on is heating up and that's warming up the potting mix that they're growing in. And that would just give you a little bit early start on a few of them. I see. Okay. Well, that's great. Thanks a lot. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah, I haven't, you know, I still have my cannas and uh, elephant ears and stuff uh, downstairs in the basement in a, you know, sort of cardboard boxes. And I probably, I was going to get them out uh, last week and I thought, no, it's a little bit too premature. So I'm going to wait for another couple of weeks before I, I'll probably get them out in the garage and then probably plant them, you know, like I said, towards the end of this month. Okay, great advice. Thanks a lot, Mike. Sure. Thanks, David. And now let's go over to Carla's yard. Hi, Carla. Hey, good morning. I have two questions for you. Um, I had a tree removed, and they left behind some oak chips uh, from the stump grinding. Mm-hmm. Is uh, Would those chips be okay to use around the uh, as mulch around the new tree planting? Basically not. What happens is that is that raw wood like that will have a tendency to bind up nutrients, bind up or you know absorb moisture, do all kinds of things that will be anti-beneficial. So that's what the difference of going and getting, let's say, a mulch from people that are, let's say, cooking the mulch as a you know, versus just raw, you know, let's say, chips like what you're experiencing. So even when somebody comes in and cuts a tree down and runs it through a chipper and all that other stuff, that stuff is really kind of not good for plant materials. Okay, so it should be like left in a heat somewhere for a year or two or what? Yeah, exactly. Okay, I can do that. And then my other question is, when I purchased this home, the previous homeowners left behind a huge box of miracle Grow. The box is kind of exploded. Ooh. You know, and um, I guess it's from the moisture content. Is that left over like that? It's at least three years old. Is it still okay to use, or how does one, um, I guess, dispose of it? <laughs> dispose of Well, you could, you know, you could open the box up, I guess, and if it's like kind of like a solid block of stuff, then it's not good for sure. So I don't okay. know exactly how the you know the box exploded, 
or you can just kind of break it apart and, you know, just kind of cast it lightly across and whatever it lands, then it may help something, it may not. It's not going to be anti-beneficial. Just it because. just may not have any any kind of benefit at all. It would just be null. Right. You yeah. know, probably a nitrogen's gone out of it for sure, and the other nutrients that are in the, you know, that are in the fertilizer, they some of them still may be there, some of them still may not. But if you just want to discard it, uh, if I don't know, you li- looks like you live in Illinois because you have a six one eight phone number. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, I live in Granite. Okay, I don't know if you have like uh, yard waste dumpsters that type thing. You could throw it in something like that, or like I say, just kind of cast it around wherever yeah. it happens to land. Yeah, well, I'll check it out to see if it's one solid block, but it. It's inside a plastic bag inside the box, and the one side of the box looks like it got damp. Ooh. At the corners, it, like, fell apart. Right. And I was like, it's a huge box. It's like, you know, those regular boxes that you buy, like, at the big box stores. Uh It's like at least four or six of those stacked together. Wow. I've never seen one that big before. (laughs) Yeah, so but if it's in you know a solid block or even just really crunchy, then it's probably pretty much dysfunctional. Okay, all right. Well, thank you very much. Sure. Got my answers. Yeah, my pleasure. And now let's head over to Chris's yard. Hi, Chris. Hey, Mike. How you doing this morning? Very good. Good. Hey, I had a question. Um, I had called you last fall about I want to transplant some cedar trees on my property, um, and they're you know, I've got them all different sizes. I I did an experimental one of about eight foot, and I got it over there, and the bottom died off, but the stop, top's still green. That was one of my questions. Is it possible that that one can survive and keep going, or should I pull it out and replace it? Well, what's um, what's happened? I'll answer that right now. Uh, what's happened, the lower parts where the branches have died off, then that's all only going to be a trunk. That will never push out any growth. So you're t- talking about aesthetic value, whether you want to keep it or not. Okay. Well, and yeah, it's fine because it's going to grow. These are eventually, hopefully, going to replace 30-foot trees that Ooh. we're taking out. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, the, the second question with those is when we talked, you said, fall's your best time to do this. Well, obviously, I failed. So... <laughs> In the spring now, is there, I guess, is first of May, like you were telling other people with other plants, is that the time I should look at transplanting those? No, you should, any kind of transplanting, you should do it while, before any kind of active growth starts. So you can get them moved and then, you know, you don't expect any kind of active growth at all because the soil will still be cool. But it's better to move them while it's co- the soil is cool and the air temperatures are cooler and everything else rather than moving it when the temperatures, soil temperature and air temperature starts going up because that's detrimental to the plant material just in general. Okay. All right. And the, the last question I had, um, frequently people ask you about moles and stuff. And, and one of the questions I had, I have a, a farm that has been trampled by horses and equipment for years, and it is like concrete. But I have moles that are going up to that and sometimes going under it, and I'm like, how? I thought they only like soft soil. And stuff. So <laughs> I was curious, Is this are these like super moles or something? 
Yes, those are super moles. No, moles only go where there's food, and their main food is earthworms, so they're just tunneling around where they hear the earthworm sounds, which you wouldn't think that they could hear, but that's what they do is they hear earthworms tunneling through the soil, so that's where they're headed, regardless of what the situation is. Oh, okay. All right. Well, cool. I just I was curious because I see that trail running in into the the rock hard soil, and I'm going, how are they doing that? And, <laughs> and I wouldn't have expected worms to be in there. But anyway. Right. All right. Well, thanks a bunch, Mike. Sure, my pleasure. But yeah, you're absolutely right. You wouldn't expect you know really heavy duty clay soil to have earthworms, but the moles are you know I mean they're not going to tunnel just for the sake of nothing. So they, that's what causes them to go the directions they do go. So maybe you do have some screwy moles, dumb moles or whatever. So anyway, thanks a lot, Chris. And if you have any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We have some phone lines open. And now let's go over to Ann's yard. Hi, Ann. Hi. Hi, Mike. How are you? Very good. I was wondering if you could talk dirty to me about peat moss. <laughs> <laughs> It seemed like growing up in South St. Louis, I always heard everybody saying, time to get the peat moss, time to get the peat moss. I Googled it, but I still don't feel like I have enough information about whether or not it's beneficial. I'm getting ready to plant some azaleas and rhododendrons. And, you know, it said it's good to add some peat moss. But, you know, is it the same as compost? Um, Is it beneficial? You know, I also read some things that it's controversial about how it's obtained. Will it affect the other plants? that I have around it. I just don't know that much about it. Well, basically it is for acidic soil, you know, acidic loving plants to make the soil more acidic, but a blending of the peat moss with compost with topsoil to, you know, more or less create a raised circumstance for the azaleas and rhododendrons is going to be by, you know, by far the best thing. But just to okay. add peat moss, that's you know, like you're talking about. The days of old, that's all people were adding. And you'll say, well, you know, there was always some great successful plants. Yes, there were at that time. But also right. we don't remember how many plants weren't successful as a result of the peat moss. But it right. is acidic, and that's, you know, that's kind of what it was used for. I used a lot of it when I was at the Botanical Garden, you know, improving the soil in the English Woodland Garden. I mean, okay. the huge, you know, bales of peat moss just to add yeah. to the soil, add to the existing soil, but I also added compost into that soil at the same time. Okay. And then if I have leftover, it said something about you could do seedlings, um, start seedlings in it. Is that true? Uh, I don't know about that. You might yeah. be able to start them, but I don't know how successful they're going to be. I mean, it is organic. I mean, it is mined, I believe, in Canada. You know, where yeah, the big peat moss places are. And mm-hmm. consequently, that's, you know, it's really well drained. So that's, mm-hmm. you know, a, a positive aspect. But, you know, the plant root systems, and I don't know if that would be successful or not, just use the okay. peat moss. Okay. Thanks very much. Sure. My pleasure. And Mike Miller, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Want to know what's going on with the Cardinals and everything else in the world of sports? Then you need sports on a Sunday morning. Special guests, game recaps, team news. Get it all on sports on a Sunday morning. Sports on a Sunday morning. A St. Louis tradition. Sundays at 10 on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. As I look out the window towards the Soldiers Memorial, the sun is out. Yes. I'm glad to see that. Let's head over to Rich's yard now. Hi, Rich. Hi. How are you doing, Mike? Good. Um, I have a Japanese maple, a young one that's been in the ground for about two years. And at the base, there's a sucker that's coming out. And I was wondering if I could trim that and try to get it to grow separately with some either some rooting hormone or, or something like that. You can give it a try. Whether it's going to be successful or not, it's all dependent. Now, is this, uh, you know, is this a big upright Japanese maple, or is this one that kind of looks like an umbrella? It's going to be one that looks like an umbrella. Basically, then what's happening is that is actually a couple plants that have been glued together. And probably the root system is not going to be anything like what you anticipate. So if it does root, you're just going to end up with like a regular kind of Japanese maple. You're not mm-hmm. going to end up with the umbrella-shaped one if you okay. can get it to root. But, uh, yeah, using a rooting hormone. So what this the shoot that you're seeing is actually coming off the root system, not off the top. And that's the only place that has that kind of umbrella look. The trunk doesn't either. Ah, okay. Well, we can give it a shot. Should I just put it in water first or, or, or put it in some potting mix to try it? Yeah, I would get potting mix for starting plant material and get a rooting hormone, too. And take the cut, you know, make the cut at a 45-degree angle, dip it into the rooting hormone, and put it in a relatively small pot, you know, maybe like two- or three-inch pot, and just with that specific type of potting mix for starting plant material. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Mike. Sure, my pleasure. 
Yes, folks, we got phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Remember, this is really pretty early spring, and the south-facing yards are going to warm up fast. So start looking for bugs because it's really like thrips and aphids and mites and pine sawflies and tent caterpillars and scale and bagworms and beetles and whiteflies, all kinds of different things are going to start showing up. They really overwintered as eggs, larvae, or pupil, or adults all over the place. And it's just kind of amazing when it starts warming up, when you start to see the buds of the plant materials open up, they go, whoa, then they're going to open up too and start to get out there. So as soon as the buds and leaf and flower buds both you know, which are happening right now. Once the yellow forsythia is in bloom, you really shouldn't plant or try to spray any kind of dormant oil on the plant materials at all to kill anything because it can do some major damage to the buds that are opening. But uh, insect controls, there's all kinds of plant removals, in, you know, inorganic, organic, systemic type of you know, controls for the insects. There's the, the, like the compound, the organic compounds, the soaps and vinegars, those are really good. And uh, hand-picking, I mean, sometimes you can just spray just water to knock the insects off, and, you know, that will kind of make them go someplace else. And I was, you know, we have a mugo pine right outside our kitchen window, and I can't, you know, I was trying to figure out a lot of sparrows were picking stuff off the needles of the mugo pine. And I kept looking and keep looking. I don't really see the insects that... Uh, the bugs are, are the birds are eating, but it's really kind of amazing. Also, watch out for stink bugs. They're going to be coming out real soon. And with the stink bugs, you want to use a granular diazinon on that. But uh, if you've got plant material that you've had a history of insect problems, start looking at those really soon. And uh, keep on a regular basis, watch out for them. And as I said before, you can use... Uh, you know, the organic compounds like the soaps and vinegars, if you want to, to, to control the insects, or there's, you know, plenty of other ways that you can go about doing it. So let's go over to Christian's yard. Hi, Christian. Oh, hey, Mike. Hi. Um, uh, question, uh, you probably answered this in the week or so before this, but pre-emergent and grass seed, is it too late to put down the uh, uh, pre-emergent for weeds and so forth? Pretty much. I mean... The forsythia is in bloom, but you can, you know, putting a pre-emergent down and grass seed at the same time, you can't do them. I mean, basically the pre-emergent kills anything that's germinating, you know, from seed. Right. Um, so you're saying it's too late to put down the pre-emergent right well, now? Well, it's basically. kind of on the cusp. Yeah, pretty much it is. You should have done The forsythia is still in bloom, so the air temperatures and the soil temperatures and everything else are still pretty cool. So the seeds may still be right there and starting, you know, just getting ready to germinate as it starts getting a little bit warmer. So you could try a pre-emergent if you want to, you know, to try to get, if you've got specific weeds that you've had historically, to try to get them under control. Okay. Uh, if I skip that and just want to go to grass seed, is it too early to put that down? And, I, and I'm using Kentucky Fescue 31. Yeah. I To me, it is because you can put it down. But if, you know, it's going to just kind of lay there and it's going to be, let's say, food for the local birds and everything else. So I would wait for another week or so until the ground gets a little bit warmer. 
then put the grass seed down. Now, there are going to be plenty of people that say, I've put it down you know, in January, I've put it down in February or whatever. But just personally, I like to do it you know, mid-April to the 1st of May. Oh, okay. And final thought, boy, the cost of grass seed is through the roof. Oh, really? I haven't looked at the grass seed costs. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I just was surprised. I, I don't have a very big yard. It's probably the size of a double-wide trailer. Uh, <laughs> but I don't need a lot of grass seed, thankfully. But, boy, when I bought some the other day, it, was, it seemed extremely expensive. Wow. But anyway, thank you for your show and your time. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go to Ariel. Errol? Oh, Errol? Hey. Yeah, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I just had a had a, a, a tree torn, I mean, cut down back here, uh, the early part, the latter part of the winter, and it left a nice stump there. And um, I want to know, what is the best way that maybe I can decorate the stump? Because um, it sits, like, in the center of my yard. Well, you can probably what? A, how tall is a stump? Uh, the stump is probably about, yeah, I would say about maybe five inches off the ground. I would say probably the best thing to do, or a good way to do it, is to get some kind of decorative pot and set the pot on the stump. Okay. And then plant the decorative. pot with some kind of annual color or something like that. Now, I've seen people that have painted their stumps and done, done other things. Or put, uh, you know, let's say a bird bath on top of it or something like that if it's level. So there's lots of different things you can do. But for the most part, uh, you know, it just depends upon your personality on what you want to do. You know, if you put a pot and then put some annual color in, you know, seasonal color or, you know, house plants or something like that and just have it that way. Or, like I said, a bird bath would work, you know, fine. Right. Okay. Great idea there. Uh, I like the painting idea. Okay. 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 Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, there's a lady up the street, and well, not just up the street, but down the corner too. And uh, she painted her stumps blue. And, you know, it's really kind of, it kind of caught me by surprise at first, but it really, it really looked a little bit interesting. So 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. By putting the pre-emergent down when the forsythia is blooming, and they're still blooming, so that means you can put the pre-emergence down. What, that gonna, what that's going to do is help control the annual warm season weeds. Annual warm season weeds include things like spurge, ragweed, purslane, knotweed, lamb's quarter, black medic, Carpet weed, crabgrass, barnyard grass, goosegrass, foxtail, and then violets. Except I've seen quite a few violets that are already been, that are already in bloom, or not in bloom, but already have germinated. So it's just a matter of you know timing and everything else. But the pre-emergence, those are the ones, the warm season annual weeds that you're trying to get under control by putting the pre-emergent down when the yellow forsythia and it's still blooming. So three one four. 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones we go. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Greg's yard. Hi, Greg. 
Hey, good morning. Thanks for your service. Question, I heard you talking about uh, reseeding, which I've done, but uh, you kind of said no on the pre-emergent at the same time. I've got a product called Tenacity, and I think that allows me to use it over top of the seed. Is that correct, or what's your take on that? Well, in theory, that's, I mean, and, you know, that's the case that it does, in theory, allow you to use it when you put new seed down. I'm always just a little bit skeptical. You know, it may work fine. I, you know, I don't have any personal experience with it. Most of the, you know, answers I give are related to personal experience. So you could try it, and then you could call and say, this worked perfect. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. But a lot of times, you know, the manufacturers and stuff, in certain test programs, it does work. But when we get into the reality of somebody's yard here in the metropolitan area uh, with our soil and our temperatures and everything else, it may work great, but it may not. So it's just a take a chance. Makes sense. I appreciate it. Well, great. You know, thanks for calling and thanks for having me on your show. And now let's head over to Barb's yard from Greg's. Hi, Barb. Good morning, Mike. Uh, I can't remember how to treat it. I have a little white cottony bad thing going on. My jays, I can't uh, think of the phrase. Uh, they're big, older jays that I don't want to lose them. Little white cottony something. How do, what is it and how do I treat it? Well, it could be a mealybug would be, you know, my guess. And so we're talking about jade plant that's uh, inside in your house, correct? Correct, yes. I would say the best thing, you probably don't have a huge amount of the, you know, the mealybugs. I mean, I guess I they think, could be cottony aphids, too. There's two, a couple different things that have they're, that. Uh, they're at the junction uh, of, uh, you know, Connecting to the main stem, right? Uh, that I find them often, or right under the leaf. Uh, don't know how they got here. I've got many, many plants in the house. Of course, the jades do go outside uh, in the summer months. Right. That's probably what ha- where they get it. And probably right. what I do is I just go, you know, I'd go get some, uh, you know, organic vinegar or something like that, some organic soap as far as insecticide, and I would just take a Q-tip. And dip it into the the insecticide that you get, and just dab it right onto them, as opposed to spraying the whole jade plant. Oh, okay. But you're saying use vinegar to dab them with? Well, I mean horticultural vinegar or insecticidal soap, not regular vinegar. I mean regular vinegar may work, but I don't know if it does or not. But I mean, knew it on me. I hadn't heard of. I really didn't even hear of horticultural vinegar. Right. Uh, I really had not heard of that. Just uh, head to your favorite okay. garden center, and they should have it. Okay. Well, we don't have a good garden center out here anymore. But I've got <laughs> it on about uh, four of my jades that are pretty good size. Uh-huh. And, uh, it, so are they like scale, though, in regards that if you miss one, there are going to be more. Well, po- you know, potentially that's it. So... But I mean, there's so they're hard. It's hard to discern every single one on the plant. Oh, of course. But once you start reducing the population slowly but surely, you can get it down to, you know, to be less. But you can go online and have you know the horticultural vinegar or the insecticidal soap shipped to you from a company. So even if they, you don't have the garden center right there, 
I mean, the shipping stuff is just okay. unbelievable. Yes, uh, that is true. Uh, will it uh, migrate to other plants very much? Because I have lots of plants. Yeah, that? if I mean, if these plants are touching each other, yes, they can. They'll just crawl. You know, they have the ability to crawl from the jade plant onto something else if the leaf is touching your jade plant. Okay. I, I just didn't know what to look for online to discern what they were. Okay. I'll get busy and examine them with get my magnifying glass out and go over them. Right. Uh, okay. Thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's head over to Dan's yard. Hi, Dan. Hi. I love your show. I have an issue with two trees, major mature trees that are beautiful in the in the front of my house. And I believe it has gall which I believe is a bee that stings the uh, tree, which creates a, like a ball. And right. they, I guess when they sting it, they lay their eggs. Is there anything I could do to alleviate the call problem, or is that a death sentence for my tree? Well, it's not necessarily a death sentence, but it could you know, lead to the decline, cause the branch, you know, branch tips to break off and things like that. Uh, I'd get on contact a local tree service and see about an injection system. But if these are large, mature trees, it's still going to it's going to take a you know, if they inject, it's going to take a long time before that you know, stuff they're injecting is going to move its way up through the vascular system and get to the top and start, you know, creating some death to these. They're not really bees, but they're wasps, but not classic type wasps, but they're cousins to each other. And uh, consequently, so uh, it's, you know, I'd get a hold of a tree service. There's not really too much else other than an injection system that's going to be somewhat effective. Yes, I, I've reached out to tree services, and all of them say that that's something that you just have to live with, and it'll eventually kill the tree. Well, I, I guess they could kill the tree, but, uh, I mean, it's, it's going to take a lot of galls before it's going to kill the tree because I've seen trees even in the woods that have had big, you know, big galls and lots, number-wise, lots of galls, and the trees are still viable. But, yeah, ultimately it can kill them because what it does is just reduce the leaf count because it's killing the, the ends of those branches where the galls are. And then, consequently, with less leaves, then there's going to be less food being produced, chlorophyll, and then, consequently, the overall health of the tree declines as a result of that. All right, it's kind of a weird-looking tree with all these balls on it. <laughs> yeah, they can be. But what you okay, can, thanks. Yeah, what you can. You, it looks like you live in Illinois. Maybe get a hold of the University of Illinois Extension Service and see what they say about it. All right, sounds good. And is this something that doesn't transfer to other trees? I have two trees, and the other trees essentially are not affected. Basically, they go for oaks, and mainly the red oak group, and mainly the pin oaks. So they kind of specialize, but when they're born, they kind of stay around the same tree where they were born, and that's why the gall population continues to grow. Now, winds can blow them into other trees, but they're not going to do anything to maples or, you know, other trees, ginkgo trees or anything else along that line. So they mainly go after the oaks. Okay, because they're beautiful trees, and I'd hate to have to cut them down. And so I could just live with it, and it's not going to infect other trees in the neighborhood. No, other than if, unless they were, like I said, pin oaks or something like that, then it could have, you know, an impact. All right, appreciate your time. Thanks. Great sure. show. My pleasure. And it looks like we're not going to be able to get to you, Sue, at least during this hour. We'll get to you 
Next hour. Now, everybody knows that everything looks really great out there as far as the bulbs will, you know, go. If you have spring bloomers in your yard right now, fertilize them, you know, even and keep doing it. When the flowers start to decline, cut the flowers off, but leave the foliage. But if you're going to fertilize, fertilize at half the label rate and allow the foliage to stay all the way up until it's about half brown. Then you can cut them all the way down to the ground level. But other than that, uh, just enjoy the spring. Thank goodness. It seemed like winter just kept going on and on and on and on. But uh, Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these spots. Tacovis is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. But they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. As someone who tries to pursue a minimalist lifestyle, I highly value quality over quantity. And I'm telling you, you can't find a higher quality boot than Tacovis. Their Western boots for men and women are handmade. Handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. Also, did I mention that they are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico? And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tacovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit tacovas.com, that's T E C O V A S.com, and point your toes west. As we turn the corner into the new year, a lot of people are looking to get healthier. That includes Hero Bread, who have just launched their new recipe using heart healthy olive oil. Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. All with no compromise on the taste, texture, and bready goodness you expect from your favorites. Now they're listening to their fans and updating their recipe with olive oil, an antioxidant-rich oil that's been shown to reduce cholesterol and minimize the risk of heart disease. Try it today with code HERO10 for 10% off your purchase at HERO.CO. That's code H-E-R-O-10 for 10% off at HERO.CO. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, it is a tip of the trowel hour, and I'll be giving you the tip of the trowel shortly. But right now, you can give a call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And Sue will be getting to you uh, in a couple minutes. But, uh, Brian. Yes, are you still lifting weights? I yes. know you. So you're doing that. You going out even when it's cold? Yeah, I didn't go out the other day when it was cold. I went out yesterday, and it was actually warmer in the barn than it was outside. It's pretty <laughs> nice. Yeah, so it was. It worked out pretty well. But yeah, I still. Uh, 
I lift at least a couple days a week. Do you? Yeah, one time with a trainer and then the other two times on my own. I know you were totally dedicated to it, but I hadn't heard you talk about it too much lately. So yeah. I was just curious. Oh, yeah, got to keep it up. really strong. Well, you know, you got to lift those plants. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Got to got to do the the uh, the honeydews, you know. No, I can't. No, got to do them. So. Oh, great! Yeah, glad, glad to hear it. Are you still lifting? No, I never do. Really? I'm too lazy. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I Twelve just, ounce curls, even. Nothing. No? Nothing. Nothing. Okay. The trowel. <laughs> the trowel. You do and lift the, the trowel. Yes. Right. There you go. <laughs> yes, folks. Uh, thanks for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection, caring for the ups and downs and all the rounds of annuals, bulbs, edibles, ground covers, houseplants, lawns, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, water gardens, blah, 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 plant material. So I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take towards success. And across the big board, that's James, and he answers the phone and pushes all the buttons and everything so you can hear what I'm saying. Uh, I spend time during the week and on weekends, too, doing a walk and talk. That's a landscape consultation. Today, Crestwood is where I'm headed. And you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, on the homepage, email address and phone number. You can contact me, and we will get together. And I'll let you know. I always cluster uh, appointments together, so I need to have your address. And that way, I can let you know these are dates, times that are available to you. Tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me and is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. This is something really kind of unusual. This time of year, we see a lot of white flowering trees, and many of them are the, you know, the, the calorie pears. And this tree is native to China. The calorie pears, there's like 26 different cultivars. And they really, ecologically, in Missouri, they are really kind of, let's say, nasty, put it that way. You can see some of them, I mean, they produce small fruits, not classic-type pears, but then the birds eat that, and then you can see them along the highways and all kinds of other places, too. And some of the varieties that are commercially available include uh, Autumn Blaze, Bradford Pear, Aristocrat, Capital, Cleveland, and Red Spire and all kinds of other ones. And Charles Brennan, he really hates them from the standpoint the smell just drives him crazy. He doesn't like them at all. But here's something that's really kind of unusual. The Missouri Invasive Plant Council has partnered with a couple other organizations, which I will mention in a second, to buy calorie pears. So in other words, what they're doing is saying you cut down the calorie pears on your property and they will give you a tree to replace that calorie pear. So in other words, Forest Relief of Missouri, in partnership with the Missouri Invasive Plant Council and the Missouri Department of Conservation, host, and it's going to be later on this month, a calorie pear buyback. So what you need to do is you need to have the tree cut on like April 26th or you know prior to that. And then you want to, they want you to have a picture taken with this tree. So in other words, after it's been cut down, you take, have a picture taken, and then they're going to be able to give you a buyback program and the locations, you know, throughout the entire state. So it's going to be through Missouri, basically Missouri Relief Organization. 
And more information about this, you can get in contact Amy Klein, Amy at Mo Relief. So in other words, M O R E L E A F dot org for more information related to this buyback program, which the event is again April twenty sixth. So to get rid of this tree, which is highly invasive and really has caused, you know, a lot of problems for a lot of the native plant materials. This is something I never heard of where they were going to give people a tree through, you know, Missouri Relief, our relief organization, and to, for the tree that you have cut down. So that's who gets the tip of the trowel today. So it's really, again, Missouri Invasive Plant Council partners to offer this calorie pair buyback program. And the event is on April 26th. So, and again, here's who you can contact. Amy Klein, amy at M-O-R-E-L-E-A-F dot org. So Missouri Relief Organization. Let's, why don't we go ahead and take Sue, because she's been holding on for quite a while. Sue, how are you today? Uh, great, thank you. I appreciate you taking my call. I have a question about uh, growing snap peas. I planted them maybe two weeks ago or so. They're about an inch high, but I'm seeing the seed up above the ground kind of poking up. Should should I be seeing the seed part of the plant? Yeah, basically should what I it is. Covering not really, it up or? Yeah, it's not really the seed. It's the hull of the seed that you're seeing. Yes. So that's and not a problem. That, that's okay? Yeah, that's okay. I just don't remember seeing it before. All right. Thank you. I appreciate your service. Sure. My pleasure. And let's take another call before we go on the break. Diana, how are you? Good morning. Good morning. I have a corn plant that came with the house that we bought four years ago. It was originally about 10 foot tall, drooping over, three main branches, cut them back to about a foot, foot and a half, bushed out beautifully, bloomed, stinky blooms the last two years. Now some of the leaves are turning brown on the edges, and I've had to completely cut off some of the leaves. I've fertilized the plant, not regularly, but a couple of times a year. Any idea what I've got going on with it? So that we're talking about that it's a type of Dracaena, the houseplant type plant that you're talking yep. about, right? So yes. uh, it may be an age problem. It may be the soil pH is going to is gotten a little bit alkaline due to the fertilizer that you've put in there. So, I mean, the tip burn like that is, I mean, if it's in the same spot basically where it was and it's getting plenty of light and everything else, that's probably what you're, you know, experiencing is the soil pH has gotten a little bit too salty, and that's what's causing the tip burn on the leaf. Okay. So would I be best to repot it completely? You could pull it out, you know, maybe shake some of the potting mix off of it to get rid of the salty aspects. And then get a potting mix, you know, and use not potting soil, potting mix, because it's going to be well-drained and go, you know, try to do it from a new direction. But also realize that, you know, this is a pretty mature, older plant if it was the size that you're describing. So consequently, it's just like people. You move them around, and the older you get, it's a little bit more tough and difficult to, to uh, you know, you cut it back and you did several things which shouldn't have been problematic but it just happened to be with this particular one. So you could go ahead and repot it, but don't get it. I probably wouldn't put it into a bigger pot than it is 
in, just get rid of some of this potting mix that's around it now and just put some more potting mix in there to replace what you've shaken off or washed off or whatever. All right. We'll give it a try. Thank you so much. Sure. My pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Brennan and Mark Scores, Carol Ryan and Bo, Dave Glover. Talk never sounded so good on KMOX. Three one four four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. We've got phone lines open. Let's head over to Robin's yard. Hi, Robin. Hi. Good morning. Thank you. Sure. Uh, I've got three questions. Number one: All the Bradford pears are blooming right now, and they look so pretty. So, if I want an early blooming tree like that, what can I put in that is not invasive? That's a native tree. Well, there's the star magnolia, which is a white flowering tree. Doesn't get as big as the, uh, you know, the the pears. And I mean, there's a couple of other ones too. I mean, so, but I would probably look at the star magnolia. Okay. Um, second question is: I have two-story apartment buildings behind my house, and I was thinking of putting in a tulip tree, but then I was I was seeing some things about serviceberry trees. So if I'm native, I have deer behind, so I know I have to protect the trunks because the deer will rut them. But do you have a opinion on if you wanted something that's native and I'm into pollinators, would you do a tulip or would you do a service berry? I would probably do the service berry. They're a little bit more interesting. They give you the spring flowers. They give you the fruits. And then also then they give you great fall color. So, you know, and they're okay. pretty tough and durable. Okay. All right. Thank you. And my third question is, I have a very flat yard, and I have some mulch around the fence for the inner part of the yard, and I'm ho- I hold water there terribly. And like I said, my yard is very, very flat. So um, I know there are rain gardens and stuff like that. Do you? I, I've trenched outside my fence, and the mud just keeps coming back in to try to get it out, but it just kind of lays wherever I trench it. Do you have any thoughts on something that, by the way, I do have a dog. Any <laughs> thoughts on, yeah, FYI. Any thoughts on something I can do to help with that? Because it ponds back there, and it, and I live in West County, so it's clay. I would, you know, I would probably look at the rain garden circumstances. There are plenty of trees, like the black gum, not related to the sweet gum. There's plenty right. of shrubs, like the red twig dogwood, that can handle, or... That's a deciduous tree. If you get the variegated one, you get the white foliage on it. Or an evergreen, inkberry, that's a type of holly, which is evergreen. So the combination of those type things in the areas that are wet, that's probably what I would do as opposed to trying to put in a French drain or something else. Okay. And so when you do a rain garden kind of thing, it doesn't have to be wet all the time. It's just a place that when it rains, it holds water and then it dries out. Exactly. So these plants don't have to be growing in a swamp. You know, so okay. No. Okay, cool. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's see, where should we head? Let's go over to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hi, Mike. I want you to tell me if I've done something wrong. A couple of weeks ago when I realized it was maybe time to fertilize my azaleas, I went to my supplies, and, of course, I could not find any iron sulfate, but I had three containers of 
aluminum sulfate. Well, feeling like my azaleas really were needing it, I fertilized with the aluminum sulfate. Now, tell me if I've done something maybe I should not have done. Well, it's not the best thing to do because the the iron sulfate, aluminum sulfate, they both have the sulfur, and that's what changes the soil pH to make it more acidic, which is good. But the iron sulfate, that has the iron, and that helps the foliage. With the aluminum sulfate, that's mainly used to, like, change some of the varieties of hydrangea to a blue color. Oh, so, okay. I mean, that's there's nothing wrong with it. It just may not be a, a, to the advantage of your azaleas. Oh, that's too bad because I'm thinking they need it. Then I have another question that I would like for you to clarify for me. When you talk about weeds, you have used the term that I had never heard of, black medic. And is that a term you are using for that oxalis? Yes. Okay, I thought so. I figured it out because <laughs> you never mentioned, you never used, and we all know in the summer, uh, well, at least at my garden yard, oxalis is a pain. So, okay, well, thank you for your advice. And I guess, well, the, uh, it, do you think if I used aluminum sulfate uh, a couple of weeks ago that I should go out and get some iron sulfate well, for you my azaleas? I, I mean, you could go ahead, and but you'd have to be really careful because depending upon how much you put, you know, of the aluminum sulfate, right. you may get too much sulfur in the you know into the ground. So you got to yeah. be really cautious. You know about doing that because any kind of nutrient that becomes excessive as far as the amount can have a detrimental impact on every kind of plant material, everything from lawn to shrubs to trees and and beyond. Okay, uh, I don't suspect there's a chemical out there that's just iron. Well, you may go. You know, you may head to your favorite garden center and they may you know they may have something that's comparable. Or just leave it alone, Just and then next year go ahead and make sure that you get the iron sulfate. Sure. Well, thank you so much. Sure, my Thanks. pleasure. Sure, bye. And now let's head into David's yard. Hi, David. Mike, good morning. How are you? Very good. How are you? I'm well. Uh, related to your last caller, I had a really big hydrangea, and on one side of it I put aluminum sulfate and on the other side of it i put uh uh hydrated lime and i wound up with a hydrangea that was pink on one side and blue on the other and sort of a violet a mix uh uh in the middle it really looked great if somebody wanted to experiment with a a hydrangea but uh that's not my question i've got a bed on the north side of my house my house faces north the front of the house the bed's about four foot wide by 10 feet long. <clears throat> and up against the house, I put ornamental grasses. And in front of the ornamental grasses, in the front of the bed, I put hostas because it's dead shade all day long. Mm-hmm. Well, I've gotten tired of the ornamental grasses. I'm going to dig them up. And I wanted to replace them with rhododendron. What I'm wondering is, because the roadie is an acid lover, if I'm going to be treating them with an acid 
uh, fertilizer, is that going to affect my hostas, negatively affect my hostas? No, it won't. Because the hostas are shade lovers, and generally anything in the shade really likes to have an acidic-type soil, so it shouldn't have an impact at all. Terrific, because I don't like the grasses anymore, but I do love the hostas. Right. i got several varieties, and they're well-established. And uh, I didn't want to kill them off by acid treating the soil for my rhododendrons. Right. And, I mean, the the ornamental grasses can handle that circumstance because they like an alkaline soil for the most part. And then up close to the house, a foundation, that's alkalinity right there. So you're going to be counteracting that. Yeah, I've got the limestone foundation. Okay. Yeah. Um, I know it's probably not the ideal time, but I'm wanting to plant these rhododendrons here in the next... Uh, couple of weeks um your thoughts on my timing you better get it done you know sooner the better to be honest with you so even though the ground is cool and everything else even availability rhododendrons and azaleas and plants like that they're available in the spring but rarely are they available at very many garden centers in the fall as far as the planting in that time so i'd go out and you know just you know Get them and get them planted. Get the soil all prepared ahead of time before you buy the plant material. Or if you buy the plant material, you can bring it home, leave it in the pots, you know, put it in a protected location, and then prepare your soil and then you know, make it so uh, you know, they're the, kind of the area that they're going to be growing in, the rhododendrons or azaleas or whatever, is higher than the area where the host is, an inch or two higher. So in other words, you're going to make the bed kind of raise up closer to the house foundation. It's actually like that naturally right oh, now. Oh, great. Perfect. And uh, when, I, yeah, when I dig up these ornamental grasses, uh, it was my intention to prepare the soil for the roadies. And I've already checked with uh, my favorite garden center, and, or my nursery, rather, and they've got roadies in right now. So uh, as long as the acid's not going to kill my uh, uh, hostas, uh, I should have my rhododendrons in, in here in the next uh, week or two. Sounds perfect. Mike, thanks for your help. I sure appreciate your show. Sure. My pleasure, and thanks for having me on your show. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Hey, guys, Kevin Wheeler here. Join me weeknights at 6 o'clock for Sports Open Live. We'll cover everything from the Cardinals to the Blues to the local colleges, the national scene, you name it. We've got it covered, and we'll have it for you here on Sports Open Live weeknights at 6 o'clock on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones. And if you do have any questions or concerns yourself, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head into Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Hi. Hi. I just have, I just have a comment. The lady with the corn plant, mm-hmm. we in the Cactus and Succulent Society will sometimes add a teaspoon or two of vinegar to a gallon of water to make it more acidic. I wonder if that would be an easier approach for that lady than digging everything up and doing it again. So just pass that idea along. Well, great. Well, thanks. Greatly appreciate it. So, I mean, alkalinity, that's what, you know, so a teaspoon of vinegar and a gallon of water, that certainly may help. Thanks, Bob. Greatly appreciate it. And now let's head from Bob's yard over to Linda's yard. Hi, Linda. Hey, Linda, are you there? Yes. 
Uh, I have a problem with a bird, and I don't know if you deal in these problems or not. I have a transom window in the bathroom, the one that's very high up here by the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And um, this young robin keeps pecking on that. He st- it starts at daylight, and he pecks on that thing for like four or five hours a day. Ooh. And he's driving me crazy, and I don't know how to get rid of him. And I can't, I don't know what to, what to put up there on the window. If you've got any ideas or your listeners have any ideas, I I would appreciate hearing them. Now, is this, so the exterior where the bird is obviously is to the outside. I'd say if you can hang some kind of ribbons or something like that, that it kind of, uh, you know, that would move in the breeze, I would think something like that may help. But if it somebody else has... Inside. It has to be on the inside because I couldn't get to it on the outside. Oh, uh, then that's not going to help. Think work, you think it'd work on the inside? Uh, you could try it. I wouldn't think so. I'm The reason why I'm saying something moving would keep the robin from going out, you know, from, let's say, getting yeah. there. Well, he, there's no place for him to perch. There's no landing or anything like that. He just keeps flying at this window, and pe- you'd think he'd have a headache after pecking <laughs> that window. For- yeah, Robins oh, seem to be, I mean, they're they're up at the way before dawn and everything else, you know, chirping and everything, way, you know, before a lot of the other birds or anything. So they're kind well, I'd like to chirp this one, for sure. <laughs> It's driving me nuts. Yeah, okay, so thank you very much. I appreciate. Yeah, so now does this window open? Can you open it from the inside? Oh no, 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 no opening. Oh, it's so no opening. Pain. Oh no, I, I this is the first time I've ever had this happen before. Yeah. I can't even imagine what what caused this. Yeah, what the appeal of this window is for this bird. So, yeah, who knows? Yeah, there's there's no bugs up there or anything like that. Right. Well, good luck with that. You know, I can't think of anything that you could do if you can't get to it, you know, on the outside or even from the inside. So that's a horrible circumstance to have to deal with. And so I can't really climb on the ladder, so I have to figure out some way to get something up there. Right. Maybe you could get, you know, get a, ask a neighbor if they could get up on a ladder and put something that you could, you know, attached to the window that would blow any kind of breeze at all. Even something like kind of shiny might even help more so than just something yeah. that would wiggle. Like that silvery ribbon. Yes, right. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. I sure. appreciate it. My pleasure. And now let's go over to Gene Jard. Hi, Gene. Hello. Hi. Yes, uh, Mike, I have a problem with a moss on the ground on the east side of my house. Uh, and uh, I've tried to eliminate it, and I can't really get it to go away. Do uh, you have any suggestions? Nothing works, <laughs> to be honest. Nothing. You have all this demoss. You have all this stuff. People put lime down, do this, do that. And basically, it's going to be there. I mean, there's, you know, the soil pH and everything else. Yeah, it's altering it a little bit with lime is going to help a little bit. But slowly but surely, it's going to return to whatever you know acidity level it is. Maybe get a soil test done, find out what's going on there. But uh, you're not going to really ever get rid of the moss, to be honest with you. Somebody, my neighbor, one of my neighbors said something about a product called Moss Out. 
Yeah, Moss Out or Demoss. There's lots of different products. You can try them, but I know a lot of people have tried them, and they've been, let's say, I don't want to say unsuccessful, but they haven't been successful. I see. But go ahead and try it. I mean, it doesn't hurt to try. It'll kind of melt it down a little bit. But, again, the soil chemistry and the atmosphere and everything else just make it so, it, you know, it's going to do well. You say lime might work? Yeah, it might, you know, because you're, you're changing the pH. So you might put some lime down and just see what happens as a result of that. But also okay. now realize that when you put lime down, if this is an area where you're growing grass, you could be raising the pH high enough to where the grass is going to be, it's going to be detrimental to your lawn. I see. So that's, you know, when you start monkeying around with things along that, you know, in that direction, that's where it may help with one thing, but it could do some damage to something else. I guess digging it out and replacing the dirt and planting the grass, would, is that an option? Well, you could, yeah, you could certainly do that. That's a lot of work. But, again, I mean, I would get, if you're really that desperate about it, my thought would be just don't look down at it and forget it and don't, you know, don't fool with it. But yeah, it's up to you. All right. Thanks a lot, Mike. Sure. My, my pleasure. And now let's go from Jeans over to Carl's yard. Hi, Carl. Hi, Mike. Uh, my question is uh, my yard is uh, a mixture of fescue and uh, zoysia. And I was wondering, is it too early to give the yard a pretty low cut um, to help get some of the thatch out, um, or should I be waiting a little longer? No, you could go ahead and do it now. Okay. All right. And then I can just go ahead and uh, what, what time of the year, or rather how long to wait before I fertilize um, for the zoysia? So probably when it's probably already actively growing. You're, you're yeah. Gonna, and so I would say wait for another, maybe towards the end of this month, the 1st of May, that would be my first fertilization for, you know, the zoysia. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. Yep. My pleasure. And now let's go over to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Hi. Uh, thank you for your, uh, taking my call. I, 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 first of all, I love moss. <laughs> <laughs> and I love to garden around it and make a little, put stuff there. But I wanted to give you some information. Uh, maybe this is not the place for it, but the uh, Soil Conservation Service up in Edwardsville, it's in the USDA office. Mm -hmm. They have a plant sale that you get all kinds of trees, a lot of windbreak trees. Uh, they're like 10 for $35. Oh, gee. If anybody's interested, uh, they can, I just, I, I don't have the information with me. Uh, but they can call the USDA office in Edwardsville. I think it's on Marine Road, and the lady will send out an order for them. Oh, right. Great. Well, thanks. I mean, they got a lot of different kinds of trees. I'm sure, you know, they're going to be saplings or young trees, So, but there's nothing wrong with that. Right. They have to be ordered, I think, I think by the 9th of April. So if anybody's interested, they ought to call and get the order form. Right. That sounds really good. Well, thanks for the insight, but I like moss myself. So anyway, I'm kind of in the same school when it comes to that as you are. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> sure, my pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. 
Yes, folks, back to the phones, and let's head over to Marty's. Hi, Marty. Hey, good morning, Mike. Thanks for having the service available to us. It's great. I just wanted to make a quick comment. The lady who called about that, Robin, uh, we had a similar problem, uh, and my uh, research found that it was because the uh, robin is territorial, getting ready to uh, try to find a mate, and he sees his reflection in that window. <laughs> and uh, so uh, what worked for us was just putting something up on the inside of the window that stopped the reflection. Oh, wow. I wouldn't have even thought of that. That's great. Good insight. Hopefully it works. Yes. Have a great weekend. Yep. Thanks again. Well, thanks, Marty, for sending you. Hopefully she's still listening. So stopping the reflection because of Robin's thinking somebody's there taking his territory. And Melane, Melanie. Hi, Melanie. Hi. I was just going to say the same thing Marty just said. Oh. <laughs> I've heard this, too. So Okay, that's all. Well, great. <laughs> well, thanks. So, I, you know, that's a new one totally on me. And now let's go over to Gloria's yard. Hi, Gloria. Hi. Um, I had another idea about the uh, robin, and um, the, uh, the Conservation Commission recommends putting a silhouette of a, of a hawk right there where the bird is, and that, that'll take them away. And another thing you can do is uh, there's a website called All About Birds, and you can get um, the sounds of birds. And if you played... Uh, the sound of a hawk or a great horned owl, oh. I think that would scare, scare them off, too. <laughs> wow. <laughs> if you could get that on your phone and, and, you know, play that. Sure. It might help. <laughs> yeah. So good luck with that. <laughs> All right. Well, great. Wow. Lots of people with ideas on this whole thing. So, and now let's, we do have some phone lines open. If you have a question or concern, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Dan's yard. Hi, Dan. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. I was just going to add to that woman's problem. Maybe a mylar balloon with helium that ah. might inside or out. Yeah, I mean, like I, you know, I was just thinking some kind of movement or something. So, but that you know, with that reflection, that kind of caught me by surprise. I didn't even think of that's what you know what it was. But yeah, thanks a lot, Dan. Greatly appreciate it. Sure. And now let's see if we can get another call in. Let's go to Steve's yard. Hi, Steve. Hi, how you doing? Good. Uh, just simple question. Top three, top five deer-resistant types of vegetation, including <laughs> shrubs. Uh, basically, there's not anything that's going to be, you know, that's on the top five or anything. There are certain varieties. It just depends upon the deer and that, you know, and the location where you're living. So there's nothing that you're going to be able to put out that's going to be resistant to the deer more so than anything else. But uh, so, I mean, it's kind of just a roll of dice, to be honest. That's a shame. <laughs> I, I would have I would have thought somebody could have uh, invented something. Well, now. I mean, there are certain things that they, you know, in certain locations, they seem to be less, re, you know, less, less attracted to. But uh, for the most part, it's just you know, a question of individual circumstances and situation, more so than anything else. So, and some of the deer are just you know a little bit nuttier than other ones. So I mean, I the, the deer, you know, they want to have plenty of food, and uh, you know, in the early spring, it's just you know it's kind of tough. So, 
you know, established landscapes uh, are a challenge, but uh, deer, you know, it's just nothing is, you know, there's no list of anything that says this is going to be less, you know, less problematic, you know, for the deer. So physical barriers and that type of thing, hanging Irish spring soap off the plant material, those type things, but uh, just individual plants, they're just not anything that's going to be, well, if we put use in, if we put this in, we put that in, it's going to be less problematic. All right, thank you. Yep, sorry. And the damage from the deer can, I mean, basically October, December, it's a, kind of a year-round circumstance. That time, that type of year, the male is you know marketing or marking territory, just like the lady was with Robin. But now, let's head over to Jean's yard. Hi, Jean. Hello. Um, I have a question. I have miscanthus grasses in the backyard, mm-hmm. and they are about 30 years old. Ooh. How do I get rid of them? <laughs> Basically, digging them up is the best thing to do. And I've, I did talk to a couple landsca- landscapers, and one of them said, you know, they couldn't even guarantee with that, and it would be big, big work. Well, to- it is a lot of work, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, they have a huge root system, and they migrate out from the original spot, but uh, they should be able to be dug. But then when you dig them out, it's, you know, a hole is there, and then you got to backfill a hole. Uh, but what you can do is you can use an herbicide, and that will kill them. A grass killer will kill them, but it's oh, it probably going to take multiple years to finally get rid of them entirely if they've been there that long. Okay. Um, I was at the hardware store the other day, and the lady had suggested spraying them with vinegar. Uh, she had looked it up on her phone, and it said, you know, that that would would get rid of them. I don't know if that's logical or not. <laughs> well, I mean, it could be, you know, you could use vinegar, you could use horticultural vinegar, but it's still going to be an herbicide, and it's still going to take a while to finally get rid of them entirely. And definitely okay. don't do any kind of spraying of anything until they start the new growth start emerging. Don't do it okay. while they're still just brown. I was going to ask you that. Thank you. Um, all right. Thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. Uh, okay. I was hoping for a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> thank you anyway. Sure. And, <laughs> now, and Bill, could you do it kind of quick? Yes, I can do it real quick. Just two questions. One. Um, pole beans don't play nice with nightshades, and I'd like to know where in the garden area can a pole bean fit in with what? And the second question, I'll hang up and listen. The second question is, when it comes to trimming like the fire bushes or uh, things that people plant in there, we've got a lot planted around our church, and it's going to be my job to trim them back. How long should I let them go? Of course, I know not now, but how long should I let them go before I start trimming? And I will just listen. Yeah, as far as size-wise, basically with the burning bush, you want to do any kind of pruning before the you know the buds open up and new foliage starts coming out. And the pole beans should probably be put uh, on the back side of your garden space. And uh, there's really not all that much problem with too many things, except for they're a little bit more aggressive from a root system standpoint. So you don't want to plant anything like lettuce or anything on the ground in close proximity to them. So. I want to thank everybody for calling in. I greatly appreciate it. And, uh, wow, I'm glad spring is here. I just hopefully they'll be a little bit warmer every day, getting warmer and warmer and warmer. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. I will see you next week.
How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.